welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Robin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. Now, I know that may not be so with many of us. However, it is so with most of us. And when we continuously radiate our own individual worlds with the abundance of loving energy from our mighty I Am Presence, by being loved, thinking love, and showing love, then that loving energy expands further into the atmosphere all around us. And since love is a powerful force of energy, our collective force of loving energy begins to penetrate those empty spaces where love seems lacking the world. And as we emit more loving energy into the atmosphere, positively affecting the collective consciousness, as opposed to the hate and darkness that's been affecting it for centuries, and definitely present in our time, only then will we see the positive and productive changes in the world that mankind so desperately requires. The longer we take to utilize our power of love and positive changes on this earth, the longer will Mother Earth and the world experience the continued suffering. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. I must say a few words here about the Codex Nazareus, the Bible of the disciples of John the Baptist. It is sometimes called the Book of Adam, and it contains views about the Logos analogous to those of Plato, and is, the great French authority Adolf Franck thinks, earlier by centuries than Christianity. John's disciples are called Nazarenes in the book, and it bristles with Essene sayings, many of which were afterwards placed in Christ's lips in his Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peaceful. Blessed are the just the peacemakers and the believers. Blessed are the peacemakers who abstain from evil. Desire not gold nor silver nor the riches of the world, for the world will perish and all its riches. Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, for he who gives will receive abundantly. Put on your stoles and white garments, O peacemakers, symbols of the water of life. Put on your heads white crowns like the crowns of glory of heaven's angels. Take up arms not of steel but of more worthy metal, the weapons of faith and justice, the weapons of the Nazarene, etc. The fact that the disciples of the Baptists are called the Nazarenes in the Codex Nazareus is important. The Christians according to the Acts were called Nazarenes, and the section of Christ's flock which kept close to the traditions of the Apostles was called the Nazarenes for at least 300 years. Pilate on the cross wrote up, Jesus the Nazarene. This in our Gospels is translated Jesus of Nazareth, a place invented, something for the purpose. The Encyclopedia Britannica announces that there is no mention of this Nazareth outside the New Testament, until Jerome and Eusebius seek to identify it with an insignificant village near the modern Nasira. 
The Gospels announce that Christ was born in Bethlehem, but that he lived for some time in Nazareth, but a Roman procurator in giving the name and crime of a condemned man would scarcely descend to such small facts in his biography. The prophecy, he shall be called the Nazarene, wherever it comes from, has been literally fulfilled. Jews, old and modern, early Christians, Muslims, all the East, have used this title, and it is still used. Nazarite and Nazarene are the same word. We are they, says Tertullian, of whom it is written, her Nazarites shall be whiter than snow. Antation thus bitterly sums up the change of the Pauline party which converted an intuitive into a sacrificial religion. Ye gave the Nazarite wine to drink and commanded the prophet saying, Prophesy not. We must now consider a little more closely the contention that Christ and his disciples were Orthodox Jews. The main evidence for this is deduced from St. Paul's epistles, which assert roundly that the chief apostles Cephas, James, and John attempted to compel the new church to live as do the Jews. They enforce the old laws about circumcision, the Sabbath, unclean meats, festivals, and holidays. They forbade any preaching to the Gentiles. In this last they were certainly backed by speeches put into the mouth of Jesus himself in some of the Gospels. He commands his apostles to avoid the Gentiles and go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They are not to give that which is holy to the dogs, or cast their pearls before swine. That the dogs mean the Gentiles is proved by Christ's dialogue with the woman of Samaria. And the following text is cited to clench the postulate that the earliest Christianity was pure mosaism. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall by no means pass from the law. Now all this it must be admitted would upset the main contention of this book, if by the word law Jesus and St. Paul meant the Mosaic law as interpreted by the dominant party. Let us take St. Paul first. He is rather vague about the word law, and uses it in more senses than one. Sometimes the word means the mere law of right and wrong. Sometimes it means the Jewish law is interpreted by the Orthodox Jews, and sometimes is interpreted by the Essenes. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they might be saved. Here he plainly confuses the two together. He could never mean that it was the Essenes who killed Christ and the prophets, or that it was Caiaphas, and the priestly party that forbid the Christians to spread Nazarene ideas amongst the Gentiles. The capital offense with them was preaching such ideas to the Jews. Let us turn to the epistle to the Romans. The Church of Rome, says Renan, was a Jewish Christian foundation in direct connection with the Church of Jerusalem. It was the chief stronghold of the Petrine party outside the Jewish capital. St. Paul, in his epistle to this community attacks those who would be saved by works, and he states explicitly that his own followers are only a remnant, that is a minority. And the 14th chapter allows us to see the nature of the works relied on by the majority of the Christians in the Roman capital, the Petrine party, in point of fact. They abstained from flesh meat, and were offended with those who preferred flesh meat to herbs. They forbade the use of wine. This completely shows that St. Paul's foes at Rome were Essenes. Killing and eating flesh meat, with proper ceremonial, was a religious duty with Orthodox Mosaism. And other epistles show also that the false apostles, as St. Paul calls them, who opposed him in the church were Essenes. It could not be Jews of the Orthodox Mosaism whom he accused of forbidding to marry, or who had each one a psalm, a doctrine, a tongue, a revelation. 
It must be mentioned, too, that Origen in the translation of Josephus in the Philosopher Minas states that the Essenes insisted on circumcision, and that some of their more violent members if they hear one discoursing of God and his laws if he be uncircumcised, one stands in watch for such a person when somewhere alone and threatens to slay him without he consents to circumcision. That brings us to the first of our string of questions. Did Christianity know anything like early Buddhism and its Buddha? Now certainly there was an early Christianity whose leader was a mere man. He is born of a woman, and has a line of human ancestors. He forsakes all to become a Nazarene, as Buddha desires to become a yogi. He has his baptism, his fastings, his temptations by the spirit of evil. He sits in solitude to purify his soul, and render it a fit receptacle for the spirit of God. He has human imperfections. He prays that the cup of death may pass away from him. The Jewish saint becomes full of the Spirit of God and goes forth to preach the Dharma Raj, the kingdom of justice. He denounces bloody sacrifices, and like Buddha, has his beatitudes, invoking blessings on altruism, a forgiving spirit, purity, the love of even our enemies. At the Last Supper a treacherous disciple dips into the dish of each. Both die like ordinary mortals, and a Magdalena washes the dead body of each with her tears. India in Primitive Christianity, by Arthur Leal, 1909. Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 3. The motive of Jesus was evidently like that of Gautama Buddha to benefit humanity at large by producing a religious reform which should give it a religion of pure ethics, the true knowledge of God and nature having remained until then solely in the hands of the esoteric sects, and their adepts. As Jesus used oil and the Essenes never used aught but pure water, he cannot be called a strict Essene. On the other hand, the Essenes were also set apart, they were healers, Asaya, and dwelt in the desert as all ascetics did. But although he did not abstain from wine he could have remained a Nazarene all the same. For in chapter 6 of Numbers, we see that after the priest has waved a part of the hair of a Nazarite for a wave offering before the Lord, after that a Nazarene may drink wine, verse 20. The bitter denunciation by the reformer of the people who would be satisfied with nothing is worded in the following exclamation, John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, he hath the devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber. And yet he was an Essene and Nazarene, for we not only find him sending a message to Herod, to say that he was one of those who cast out demons, and who performed cures, but actually calling himself a prophet and declaring himself equal to the other prophets. The author of Sod shows Matthew trying to connect the appellation of Nazarene with a prophecy, and inquires why does Matthew state that the prophet said he should be called Nazarea? simply because he belonged to that sect, and a prophecy would confirm his claims to the messiahship. Now, it does not appear that the prophets anywhere state that the messiah will be called a Nazarene. The fact alone that Matthew tries in the last verse of chapter 2, to strengthen his claim that Jesus dwelt in Nazareth merely to fulfill a prophecy, does more than weaken the argument, it upsets it entirely, for the first two chapters have sufficiently been proof later forgeries. H. P. Blavatsky Baptism is one of the oldest rites and was practiced by all the nations in their mysteries, as sacred ablutions. Dunlap seems to derive the name of the Nazars from Naza, sprinkling, 
The Hacks Evo is the genius who called the world into existence out of the dark water, say the Nazarenes, and Richardson's Persian, Arabic, and English lexicon asserts that the word Bahak means raining. But the Bahak's Evo of the Nazarenes cannot be traced so easily to Bacchus, who was the rain god, for the Nazars were the greatest opponents of Bacchus worship. Bacchus is brought up by the Hyades, the rain nymphs, says Preller, who shows furthermore, that at the conclusion of the religious mysteries, the priests baptized, washed, their monuments and anointed them with oil. All this is but a very indirect proof. The Jordan baptism need not be shown a substitution for the exoteric Bacchic rites and the libations in honor of Adonis or Adani, whom the Nazarenes abhorred, in order to prove it to have been a sect sprung from the mysteries of the secret doctrine, and their rites can by no means be confounded with those of the pagan populace, who had simply fallen into the idolatrous and unreasoning faith of all plebeian multitudes. John was the prophet of these Nazarenes and in Galilee he was termed the Savior, but he was not the founder of that sect which derived its tradition from the remotest Chaldeo-Akkadian theurgy. The early plebeian Israelites were Canaanites and Phoenicians, with the same worship of the phallic gods, Bacchus, Baal or Adon, Iacos or Iao or Jehovah, but even among them there has always been a class of initiated adepts. Later, the character of this plebe was modified by Assyrian conquests, and finally the Persian colonization superimposed the Pharisee and Eastern ideas and usages, from which the Old Testament and the Mosaic Institutes were derived. The Asmonean priest kings promulgated the canon of the Old Testament in contradistinction to the apocrypha of secret books of the Alexandrian Jews, Kabbalists. Till John Hyrcanus they were Asidans, Hasidim, and Pharisees, Parsees, but then they became Sadducees or Zadokites, asserters of sacerdotal rule as contradistinguished from rabbinical. The Pharisees were lenient and intellectual, the Sadducees, bigoted and cruel. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 16 I assure you, if you remember enough to demand everything in your beings and worlds be sealed now in the world of the sacred fire love of the angelic host, you'll find it has a very definite effect upon your health, because you can absorb that sacred fire love, and it heals all things, it supplies all things. And you will find much assistance coming to you that will almost offer itself to you with scarcely any effort on your own part, except your daily charging of the world of the sacred fire of the angelic host, to be your world of experience every day, your world of control, your world of blessing, to give without limit to all life everywhere. And this is the expanding action and closer cooperation between the angelic host and mankind to which we have referred many times, since this I am activity came forth. So beloved ones, from tonight, if you will love to live in my world of the sacred fire's love and control of all things, you will find my love in your world controlling your conditions. Then you, in turn, can use that around your loved ones and all to whom you wish to give help and love will go forth and consume the hatred that has created the shadows. You become then legions of protection to all that is constructive. And our sacred fire comes to earth and reveals its mastery everywhere you draw it into outer action, until mankind becomes aware of its almighty dominion, and understands it as the cosmic law and action that controls all systems of worlds. Therefore, it will control your world, your individual world, and the world in which you abide. Beloved Archangel Michael,
My loved ones, my heart's love is a very practical assistance to you in your physical affairs, and the world of the sacred fire love of the angelic host must one day fill all on this earth for eternity. So if wherever you abide, you would draw it into action, that it may become an eternal part of this world, I assure you, you will go forward from one gigantic accomplishment to another in the greatest joy you've ever known. And freedom will have become the reality for you, of which you have dreamed but you may yet experience while yet unascended. So from tonight, I trust all of you will want your world individually, and the world itself, to now become the world of the sacred fire's love of the great angelic host, that they may come quickly and render that service which they alone can give. And may I enfold you tonight in all the victory which the love of my heart commands for you, and which now I hope becomes your world of manifestation from tonight. I enfold you in my world of sacred fire love, and I command my legions of the angelic host to blaze their sacred fire about you, to guard you, to assist you wherever possible, take you forward to victory without limit, and that you in turn, may lead others to victory until only its perfection exists anywhere. So I commend you to the new world, the new order of this cycle, as you call this into outer physical conditions to move forward the perfection that must manifest here, that is your destiny, and that is the freedom of the world and peace for eternity. I hope that, from tonight, your world will be so flooded with the sacred fire love of the angelic host, that becomes for you the freedom and the happiness that is yours for eternity. Thank you, with all my heart. Beloved Archangel Michael. Thank you.